Welcome to the very first Wittgenstein on Learning podcast, which presents a Wittgensteinian perspective on language, literacy, and learning. This podcast is part of the website wittgensteinonlearning.com or wittgenstein-on-learning.com. Both the podcast and the website seek to bring Wittgensteinian ideas into the realms of contemporary discussions of language learning, literacy acquisition, culture, and the development of knowledge. Not every discussion will mention Wittgenstein directly, but his ideas will be carried throughout. I'd like to use this very first podcast to take some time to explore what exactly is a Wittgensteinian perspective, and I will borrow a great deal from what is known as Wittgenstein's later philosophy, even though his early work will play a significant role in future discussions. Some elements of Wittgenstein's early work. What I'd want to mention is that Wittgenstein's early work in the Tractatus Logico-Philosophicus exhibited a particular fascination with the way in which language or sentences represented the world or aspects of the world. That is, Wittgenstein is keen to explore how sentences of our language can capture a picture of a fact that can be extracted by a listener or a reader if one can decode the language and share that language in common with others. So in fact, in the Tractatus, Wittgenstein was very fascinated with the structural aspects of language and its capacity to convey meaning. He was focusing on the ability to decode the language, to be able to make proper sentences, and in those sentences being able to picture very crisply and clearly states of affairs that represent facts in the world. And that if one clearly lines up those facts of the world, one can have an accurate understanding of the world itself, or actually one's understanding of the world itself. But in the later stages of that book, the Tractatus Logico-Philosophicus, Wittgenstein starts to struggle. He starts to consider sentences that don't convey pictures at all, such as, God is good, or the beauty in this painting is both spiritual as well as transcendental. And as these sentences do not make sense by referring only to the language itself or only to the world itself, it assumes that there's a community of users who speak, an, whether it's a religious language or, with, or whether it's an aesthetic language, and it really frustrates his work. So that by the time we find our way to the philosophical, or find our way to philosophical investigations, Wittgenstein has turned his attention squarely on the very thing he avoided in the Tractatus, and that is how language gains its meaning from its use in context. He turns his back on the crystalline yet slippery surface of syntactical and linguistic forms and walks directly towards the rough ground of investigating the ways in which we actually use language in practice. He investigates how we tell stories, how we write reports, how we perform plays, how we present debates, how we order things at the shop, how we work in a workplace, um, how a building site might operate, or how military commands are given, and why they're obeyed, and why they're obeyed in certain contexts that wouldn't be obeyed in the context of the street. So we gain a picture of language and literacy learning that knows no end, since there's always new texts to master, new forms to unpack, and new situations in which language will occur. But what is central to this concept of language is that 
one must be part of a, a culture, yeah. speaking um, amongst other users for that language to make sense, which is something he tried to avoid in the Tractatus Logico Philosophicus. In that text, he tried to create a picture of language that didn't necessarily need a thinker for something to be meaningful. If a sentence just conveyed a picture, one didn't necessarily need to interpret or process um, how that sentence might be meaningful to people in their lives. But the philosophical investigation comes straight up to that picture and says, our understanding of language must be embedded and how it is meaningful in the way that we live. And that if we're to understand, let's say, certain commands, let's say commands in a building site, and you have no awareness of a building site and terminology used on the building site and um, tasks to be done, then that language will be mute. One might understand that the, what's being discussed is in English, but in fact, being able to take part requires certain experiences to be in place. So if we further that, what we see is that later, later on in something like uncertainty, Wittgenstein focuses how knowledge that one gains is gained through not only language practices, but our cultural practices. And so uncertainty bring to, brings us in some way full circle back to a concept that Wittgenstein starts his career with, which is sentences and our, our, our facts present the world. If we line up all our factual statements, it will give us a picture of our understanding of the world. And on uncertainty, he's replaced this concept of the world with the concept of a world picture. That if we line up all our stories, if we line up all our knowledge, if we line up all our belief systems, what we get is a world picture. And what's very different about this concept to his earlier concept is a world picture is pluralistic. There's not just one world. There's one world we live in, but many pictures or concepts of it that my, may arise. And those concepts of the world are a direct consequence of what we learn and how we learn and the culture and the people in which we learn. And so Wittgenstein actually, in many ways for me, um, foreshadows some recent discoveries around literacy. Um, in the work of Paris, uh, he discusses constrained skill theory and says that it, developing literacy involves you know, skills in two categories. We have constrained skills and unconstrained skills. Constrained skills are things that w are uh, learned in a relatively short amount of time. And they include things like phonemic awareness, spelling, handwriting, um, even, earl even earlier on, uh, the knowledge of the alphabet, syntax, reading fluency, You're quite technical skills, skills that don't actually focus upon the meaning of language, but they're still really necessary, but not, not necessarily sufficient for someone to be literate. So one needs to have a structural mastery of the language to be able to quickly, rapidly process the written word. But just because one can quickly and rapidly and systematically understand how the language is put together doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to understand every 
conversation or every text that they read, that's where unconstrained skills comes into it. And unconstrained skills we learn across our lifetime. We learn to write different texts. Just because one learns to write short stories from a young age and those short stories become more complex, when they have to ask to write an essay, that's an entirely different discourse. And so it requires a new repertoire, a new apprenticeship. And so unconstrained skills are like Wittgenstein's concept of language games. Whereas one might learn a language, across their lifetime they'll learn a repertoire of language games. In short, a Wittgensteinian perspective, particularly his later philosophy, is one that emphasizes um, a cultural view of learning, a socio-cultural view of literacy and literacy practices. And I hope this will come out in future discussions. It's not new information. Um, it's not new knowledge. Uh, but the podcast is a way for um, myself to unpack its relevance um, in um, contemporary uh, educational um, discussion. Thank you for uh, this initial plunge into the world of podcasting. Please do not hesitate to vi visit wittgensteinonlearning.com um, to share your ideas, to contact me, um, and to find out more. Thank you very much.